0: So, like Doug said, my name is Jonathan Valdez, and uh, I work here, so that explains why I'm here. Um, if you don't know me very much, Doug did a pretty good introduction, but I want to I wanna say it myself, because it makes me feel better. Uh, my name is Jonathan Valdez, I'm currently a student at Dallas Theological Seminary, and I love that place. It's very expensive, though. <laughs> but, y'all are very generous. Um... I've been working here since January of 2013 and I've loved every minute of it. Even those times where I thought I was going to leave, I stayed. I felt a strong urge to stay. And I'm really glad I did because y'all are awesome. Y'all have become my family. Y'all are great. So... Whenever Doug initially asked me if I wanted to speak, I was very, very excited. I was immediately filled with joy, but then I was immediately filled with nervousness because I didn't know what I was going to talk about. Because the Bible is big, you know, 66 books in that thing. I had no idea what I was going to talk about. Then they said it's Communion Sunday, so that immediately narrowed it down. Thank God. <laughs> and so then I thought about how can I talk about communion and also talk about how Jesus is better. From a Christian perspective, that seems like it might be pretty easy to do. But in all honesty, it wasn't that easy. But that doesn't mean that it's not exegetically correct or anything like that. It just means it wasn't easy. So the reason I had this passage picked is because it does such a great job at talking about the supremacy of Jesus. Okay, Because the supremacy of Jesus is a message that is illustrated throughout the entirety of the Bible. Whenever you look at Genesis 3.15, whenever they, made the, whenever they messed up and God said this is going to happen, he said there is going to be enmity between your kids, between your offspring, and the snake's offspring, or the serpent's offspring. This is a, an idea that, is, that just resonates throughout all of Scripture. And this passage does such a good job at laying it all out there that Jesus is better. And that's ultimately the message that I want to get across to you today is that Jesus is better. Okay. Whenever you look at these passages, whenever you read these verses, they essentially summarize Hebrews chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. In Hebrews chapter 1, Jesus is greater than angels. In Hebrews chapter 2, Jesus is greater because he is the point of salvation. In Hebrews chapter 3, he's greater than Moses. In Hebrews chapter 4, he's greater than the high priest. All these ideas resonate throughout the entirety of Scripture and for this, whoever wrote Hebrews, some of you will say Paul, some will say Apollo, Priscilla, whatever. Whoever it is, they knew what they were talking about. Okay? These four verses are so rich with meaning that just reading them doesn't do it justice. But that's what we're going to have to do today. Because I'm limited on time. I don't want to be, but it's what we are. In these first four verses, we get a Christology, a proper Christology. That is a big fancy word, a seminary word. Uh, which of which I know many, but this is a seminary word that essentially is dealing with how you understand Christ. What is Jesus like? Regardless of how you think of Jesus, it is going to affect how you live out that relationship with Jesus. If you have a good understanding of Jesus, your relationship with Christ will be lived out in a good way. If you have a skewed or broken understanding of Jesus, then it will be reflected in the way you live it out. This is a proper Christology, a proper understanding of who Jesus is. And when we have a proper understanding of who Jesus is, then I firmly believe that our faith has a stronger foundation, that the Bible makes more sense, and that the relationship with Christ that we have becomes much more real and much more significant in our lives. All of this stuff comes from a proper understanding of who Christ is. Now, As I said, these, these verses, they summarize these chapters very, very well. In Hebrews chapter 1, Jesus is greater than angels. And that is all the celestial beings, the entirety of heaven, the host of heaven, Jesus is greater. Now, for a little while, he was made lower. He was temporarily made lower than the angels, being born as a person, as a baby. He was temporarily made lower. But that is not his eternity. He is now better as he once was. Okay? If Jesus, and if Jesus is better than the host of heaven, then that means that Jesus has to be better than the earthly things like Moses. Now, Moses is a big deal because he is the one who gave the people of Israel the law. He gave them this covenant that God instructed them to keep. But Jesus is greater than angels, so that means he's got to be greater than Moses. And if he's greater than angels, he's greater than Moses, and that means he has to be better than the high priest, the guy who would atone for the sins of the people. He is better than that guy. The guy who would take all of your sins away, who would kill these animals so your blood wouldn't have to be shed, he is better. And this is a big deal because it can't be put more plainly that Jesus is better. I want to say it again, that Jesus is better because that is the reality of our Christianity. That should be the root, the cornerstone of our faith. He is better than all the things this world will offer you. He was better than all those things of the Old Testament. He's better than Moses. He's better than the law, the high priest, the atoning sacrifices. He's better than all of it. And bring it into today. He's better than your job. He's better than how much money you have, your success, your fame, your status, uh, how many kids you have, what kind of car you drive. He's better than all of it. And the reality is that his communion is better, too. His communion is better because... He took something and made it better. That's just the nat- nature of what Jesus did. Whenever you read of Jesus' interactions in the in the New Testament, he is constantly taking things, flipping them, and saying, "You were missing the point. Now you know the point. Go do it." The Old Testament has this idea of Passover, and it was a great thing. Okay, the Old Testament Passover was a very, very good thing. It was a symbol of Israel's salvation. And it was a symbol of the covenant that they were going to soon have. Okay? It is supposed to be a tangible reminder of the Exodus. The Exodus was the point of salvation in the Old Testament. From Genesis 3.15, it's, kinda, it's looking, looking, and then this Exodus thing happens, and then they think, ah, we're saved now, we're good to go. And then from the rest of the New Testament, it's looking backwards. All of these things are looking to the Exodus as the point of salvation in the Old Testament. And it's great, because it was a very good thing. It was a tangible reminder. And whenever they took this meal called Passover, they were called to remember. In staff meeting this week, Lauren Led did a great job, and she was talking about Joshua and how the people were called to remember. They were called to remember their history and what, Jesus, what the Lord had done for them and with them. It's a similar thing. They were called, anytime they would take this Passover meal... They were called to remember what had happened. And now they only took it about once a year. And it was a very special time. It was a very sacred time for the people. Because that, they were looking back at the moment of salvation. They were looking back. Because they knew that something had happened. There was an experience in them that they were able to relate to. Eventually, as it went further and further away from the actual point of salvation, the exodus, it, just, it became a story. that that it was to be retold throughout the generations. And they were called to remember it as often as they took it. So whenever they took it, whenever they took this Passover meal, they were supposed to remember their salvation experience. But like I said, in typical Jesus fashion, whenever he steps on the scene, he flips it on its head. Because the reality is Passover was really good. It was a great thing. But they were so focused. It was, it was all about Israel. It was all about the multitude that came out of Egypt in the Exodus. It was for the people. And because there are human minds trying to understand the things that are eternal, we kind of screwed it up. The people kind of screwed it up. Because they took something that God was meant, meant to be good and great, but they skewed it, they chopped it up, and they, they just kind of looked at one little area. They missed the mark. Either by a little or a lot in humanity, that is going to happen whenever we focus on things that are eternal. We're going to miss the mark, either by a little or a lot. But whenever Jesus comes and he institutes this thing called Passover, or this this thing called communion, it is to be a symbol, not just for Israel's salvation, but for everyone's salvation. A symbol of their covenant that was fixing to take place. It was to be a tangible reminder of not just Israel's salvation experience, but all of our salvation experience. And we are called, as Christians, we are called to remember that salvation experience as often as we take it. See, that was the moment in salvation, the Exodus. It was the point of salvation in the Old Testament. See, we don't have that here because we're not slaves and no one is leading us through a sea. And that makes it a little, a little bit more scary because it's all on us now. It's all on us. There's no one named Moses who's leading us saying, let's go, guys. We're going we're gonna to be saved now. That's not happening. Now it's all on you. It's all on me. Jesus does this amazing work, but we have, ultimately have to accept it. We ultimately have to accept it. So whenever you come to take communion, don't just take communion out of habit or out of obligation but take it because by the grace of God, you have experienced salvation or because you want to experience salvation. Whenever you come to take communion, examine yourself before you go. Now, I don't want to brag or toot my own horn or anything, but whenever, I, I always sit somewhere on this row and whenever the ushers come to let us go out for communion, remember, I don't want to brag on myself here or hear anything, but I always stay in my seat. I'm generally one of the last ones to go. Because I'm examining myself. Whenever I first became a Christian, this idea of communion was only taught to me from Paul to the Corinthians, how they were, these people were abusing communion. And so that made me kind of nervous. Like, should I take communion? Am I going to fall over dead if I don't do this, right? Because people were dying when that happened. I don't want to die. Not now. I mean, eventually, yes, but not now. I'm too young, got my whole life ahead of me. But whenever the ushers come to dismiss us, I always stay in my seat just to examine myself, to pray, and try and recount my salvation experience. And I'm not saying you all do that. I'm not saying y'all don't do that. But I'm saying that you should. Because it's a big deal. Salvation is a very, very big deal. Because people, there's not a guy who's, on, who's the front runner saying, all right, let's go guys, we're out of here, we're saved now. It's, it's on you. It's between you and the Lord. You have to decide if this is for you. When you examine yourselves, you reflect on the reality that Jesus is better. Remember, that's ultimately the message I'm trying to come across today, that I'm trying to get across today, is that Jesus is better. And I want you to believe that today. And if you don't believe that or won't believe that, then my prayer is that God begin right now to break you down and move in you this morning. Because the reality is that Jesus is better. His promise is better. His salvation is better. His covenant is better. He is better. Jesus is better. So whenever you come to take communion, like you're going to do in just a little bit, whenever you come take communion, don't, don't come at it because it's something that you've always done. Because Jesus, remember, he, t- he takes something broken he takes this small snippet of a thing and he blows it up and he makes it bigger and better he took something rote and broken and worn down this thing that missed the point and he made it new he made it better and I can confess to this that Jesus is in the business of making things new and better that's my testimony because before I was broken I was beat down I was torn up Maybe not physically, inside I was. But then I had this encounter with Jesus, and this this thing changed. Now, there are there are other denominations that believe something happens whenever you take communion. That it goes through this thing called transubstantiation, another seminary word. Remember I told you I know a couple. There's this thing that happens called transubstantiation that when you take it, the body, the bread becomes the body, and the juice or the wine becomes the blood. That's gross. (laughs) I personally don't believe that, but there is an entire denomination of Christians that believe that. And while I don't agree with that, I do agree that something happens when you take communion. I might not believe that I'm chewing on someone's skin or drinking someone's blood, but I believe something happened. Whenever you come to take communion... Something happens. If you're willing to let it happen, something will happen. Like I talked about earlier, the Corinthians, they were abusing community. People were coming and getting fed. And I'm not saying it's possible for you come and get full off a little piece of Hawaiian bread that, I'm, that someone will give you. But something is going to happen if you let it. Something will happen because, like I said, Jesus is in the business of making things better. He's in the business of telling you how you missed the point explaining it, laying it out for you, just giving it all to you and saying, go get him. His communion is better and if you're open, you will experience your salvation experience again. I firmly believe that whenever you come at, come at communion with a prayerful mind, an open mind, and you anticipate something going, something going to happen, that God will allow something to happen you will be brought back to the point, you will remember that point of salvation for you. There's a reason that this tradition has lasted throughout the entirety of Christianity. It's because people believe something happens. because something does happen. So I'm going to pray. And I hope you all join me. <laughs> Heavenly Father God, Thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given me to get up and speak. Thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given me to experience your salvation, to experience your grace and your goodness. I pray that every person here, under the sound of my voice, can encounter you again in a way that they haven't in a while or maybe never have. As we take communion, let us remember our salvation experience because it is a tangible reminder of what you've done. We're only doing this temporarily. We're only doing this until you come back because then we won't need to remember you because we will be with you. Focus our hearts on you. Focus our minds on you that we can be open and receptive to anything and everything that you're willing to teach us, you're willing to expose us to. Lord Jesus, in the midst of a weird and chaotic time here at the church, I pray that you would wrap us in your embrace in a way that only you can. I know that you are the God of comfort and I pray that you would comfort us all now. Comfort us all in the weeks to come. Let us experience our salvation yet again and reflect on the goodness and the glory that has come from us making that decision to follow you. When we understand you better, Jesus, we can understand your communion better. I pray that it not be rote, it not be rigid, that it be entirely beautiful reflecting who you are and what you've done in our lives. You're amazing, Lord Jesus, and you are beautiful. We don't deserve anything but your wrath, but you give us your grace freely. I pray that we can glorify you with all that we say, all that we do, and all that we think all these things Lord Jesus in the power of your precious name in the power of your spirit Amen